Unity of Farmington Hills, a powerful path for spiritual living. When I was a boy each week, Sunday we would go to church, pay attention to the priest, he would read the holy word, consecrate the holy bread, and one would feel the mind, today the only difference is, everything's holy now, everything. Thank you. 
Give this moment in memory. And we thank you, God, for the memory in our hearts that keep them, keeps them alive. Amen. And I also want to, uh, normally I don't announce the platform assistants, but I want to announce that Donna Opoka will be up here doing our announcements because she was our first platform assistant and she's doing an she was doing an amazing job. The reason why I'm, I'm announcing her and thanking her is because she, this will be her last time doing announcements because she's moving to the nursery to help us out with the nursery. You create it and they will come. Jesus said to have a, um, to be childlike in heart, which means you're open to all possibilities and love and trust and faith. And that's what Donna is. So she will be perfect in the nursery. So can we have you come up, Donna, and do your announcement? <laughs> well, thank you so much for that. It was my pleasure to help you with the announcements. So, good morning, <laughs> and again, happy Memorial Day. Please join us to, to after service for fellowship in Social Hall with coffee and homemade treats. And <clears throat> Sharon Clace, our children's church director, will be conducting a special training session for all children's church volunteers today after service. And she'd like to start right pretty much right away. Um, so go down and get your coffee and your treats and come upstairs to the second floor in her children's room for that um, meeting. And parents are welcome to join us. Our capital campaign theme for May and June is Super Share 5050. Our goal is to raise $1,500. Tickets are available after service today and after every Sunday service through June 25th. Get some tickets every Sunday. Proceeds from each Sunday will be accumulated, and the drawing will take place with the winner announced at the church picnic on Sunday, June 25th. You can be the big winner and make the church a big winner, too. If you're interested in walking behind our big UFH banner with the UFH Veteran Peer Support Group in the Farmington Hills Memorial Day Parade tomorrow, Please sign up outside in the sanctuary work going on, just planting the flowers. And the flowers will be provided. So please let us know how many we can expect. So if you can let Faith Brower know if you're going to be coming, she would appreciate that. The UFH Veteran Peer Support Group meetings will be on hiatus for the summer and will resume in September. However, phone calls will always be available to be received on the number listed on the website. Sunday, June 11th is Friends and Family Sunday. Invite friends and family to come enjoy the music and the message and experience the love and the joy of our spiritual community. Win the Special Recognition Award for bringing the most guests. I have a feeling that was Lois' yes. idea. <laughs> Also on Sunday, June 11th, join the women's group for a women's empowerment presentation at 11.15 a.m. Featuring our guest speaker, Deborah Fleischman. Learn ways to strengthen your woman power. Today, Eileen Lindbergh is our prayer chaplain and will be available to pray with you after service near the patio doors. So please move out of the sanctuary as soon as possible so that they can have a quiet space for prayer. To stay abreast of all our activities and upcoming events, please visit unityfh.com, check out our Facebook page, or read through our newsletter emailed out every Friday. And now, as the music team sings, surely the presence, let us prepare our hearts and our minds for the daily word and our opening prayer.
this is an appropriate daily word for today. Um, and so let us, if you'd like to, you can close your eyes and prepare to hear the daily word. Take a deep breath and just relax. The daily word for today, Sunday, May 28, 2023, is comfort. We affirm, loving memories comfort me. And our message reads, there may be days or maybe even weeks on the calendar when I find myself mysteriously feeling melancholy or blue, only to realize the anniversary of someone or something I have loved or lost is approaching. Even when I don't realize it outright, a part of me remembers and responds. I can honor these feelings as a way to honor the people and places that have taught me and helped me to evolve. Welcoming my feelings brings deep and abiding comfort. I carry those people and places I love with me in the things I do, keeping their spirit alive. Gradually, I find smiles in, within the sadness. Revisiting treasured memories reveals the love within the loss. The presence of God is found within the gift of each moment, and I find comfort through my grateful heart. Our Bible verse for today comes from Psalm 119, verse 76. Let your steadfast love become my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let us pray. So as we continue to keep our eyes gently closed, let us take another deep cleansing breath. Let your attention flow down into your heart center. Let your heart feel a, sense, a feeling of, and a sense of love and peace. As we tune into the presence of God, and we acknowledge that there is only one power and only one presence that is active in our lives and in the universe, and that is God the good, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. And God, as we tune into your power, we allow your presence to resonate a sense of comfort for us. Knowing that because you are everywhere present, you know all of our hearts. You are all-knowing. So you know the right and perfect way to touch us, to hug us, to love us, to support us, and help us through this time. We tune into that feeling of love. We release all that concerns us. And we let your love and your peace radiate deeply. As we sit in that peace just for a little bit. And as we sit in this presence of God, let your mind be at peace. Let your heart be open. Let your body be relaxed and willing. As we open ourselves up to hear today's message, to understand it on a deeper level that activates it inside of us. And let our bodies be ready to become this living expression as we live the truth that we know. this prayer up in the name and nature of the indwelling Christ. And we close this meditation thanking you, God, for loving us no matter what and teaching us to love our, you, ourselves, and others in that same vein. 
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. Amen. And now let us go ahead and affirm our statement of being together. God is all, both invisible and visible. One presence, one mind, one power is all. This one that is all is perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. I am an individualized expression of God. I am ever one with this perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. And let's go ahead and affirm our growth affirmation together, knowing that it is working. Together, we give thanks for our expansive congregation that fills our halls, sanctuary, and classrooms with seekers and teachers of unity truth, fills our hearts with love and joy, and provides us with all of the necessary resources to co-create a loving and compassionate spirit-filled world. Everyone's got their own opinion. Nothing they don't know about But in the end nobody's winning Cause nobody's got it figured out All the things we think we know But honestly we really don't This side of heaven Save the worry, stop the hate, it doesn't matter anyway. This side of heaven. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You can make your own decision. You can write it sign but when it feels like something's missing well listen up and I'll tell you why all the things we think we know but honestly we really don't this side of heaven say the worry stop the hate it doesn't matter first above all and that judgment should come slowly because we all have our faults all the things we think we know but honestly we really don't this side of heaven say the worry stop the hate it doesn't matter anyway this side of I'm used to, it's, it's interesting to see it, because usually used to sing it with Marie, this song. Yeah, she used to sing that with Marie. Wow. Let's give them another hand, y'all. Whether it's the soft, the subtle songs, or the big songs that make you stand up and clap your hands, or whatever, I love, I love, I love our music team. I really do. <clears throat> 
Um, I want to I admit, uh, uh, confess that this has been a really interesting weekend for me. My mom passed away um, back in 2005, and so it's been 18 years. Her birthday was on Friday. So this has been a really interesting day. And then um, Elliot's transition, you know, that was kind of quick. So that really, uh, really affected me too. So I'm uh, going to just let God do God's work. <clears throat> we um, are acknowledging this uh, weekend. It is, I just want to say before I get started into this, because um, I don't know if God's going to tie this into Memorial Day or not, but I do want to acknowledge those who are veterans and um, did uh, serve in the military and they came home safely, and then those who were veterans and did not. So I want to just acknowledge all of them. And those who are veterans here in our, our congregation, I want to acknowledge you too and thank you for your service to our country. <clears throat> so can we uh, just have, if you want to just raise your hand, the veterans who are here today, who've been in the, in the just raise your hand. Let's give them a hand. We have uh, Charmaine and Steve and Howard in the back who raised their hands. And then also, um, our hearts give an applause to those who, whose, whose lives were taken as well. Um, it is interesting because I will share briefly, too, that um, I feel deeply blessed to be here today. I feel deeply blessed to have been on this earth for close to 55 years because my father was in Vietnam in the Marines, and he stepped on a landmine, and someone had previously stepped on one in his platoon and blew up but it blew him 70 feet in a hole in his ankle. And he came home as a, you know, with a purple heart. When he came home, that was when he met my mother. And she was a senior in high school. And then after she graduated, they dated for uh, two, th uh, three months and got married. And they were married for 38 years. And so my father says that he truly feels that his purpose was to father the five of us, his five children. And, and he is a father figure to everyone. So for him, I also acknowledge his service and the way that God saved him so that I could be here today to speak before the two, the, all of you all. So I'm grateful for that as well. So what I want to do is I want to continue our uh, study on the parables. These have been really deep um, stories to me, and especially since I mean, when you go into them, uh, every time you read, for me, every time I read scripture, it becomes more and more alive for me. And so as I'm reading these scriptures, and some of the parables that I've, I've been studying, I didn't really even remember them. Um, so this parable that I'm going to, we're going to go into today is called the parable of the two sons, and that's the title of my talk, Parable of the Two Sons. And this, when I first read, uh, read that that was the next parable that I was going to be studying, I was thinking about the prodigal son, but this isn't the, pro the one with just the prodigal son. This is a little bit, this is different than that one. And so, as I've been saying, Jesus' parables have been powerful because they have been his way of responding to uh, either questions that have been posed to him or murmuring that was going on with complaints or things like that. And this particular parable that Jesus is sharing comes right after his a little bit after his triumphant entry, which we talked about around Easter time. And so when he came into Jerusalem on a donkey and he was uh, praised by a thousand, probably about a thousand people or so, and they were yelling Hosanna, right after that he goes into the temple and clears out the temple. Now at this point, he has no longer been nonchalant about um, claiming that he's the Messiah. He's upright doing some stuff to let folks know who he is, you know? Um, that he's the big one, who the big, the big M, Messiah, who came to uh, serve a purpose for us. And he knew that when he came into Jerusalem this particular time, it would be to die. And so he goes and clears out the temple. And then he, uh, later on, we read this story about him uh, cursing a fig tree. And as I read that, it's interesting because I read that several times and I thought I knew the meaning of that, but actually it said that the fig tree had leaves on it, but no fruit. And as I studied this time a little bit deeper, God brought me to the consciousness that the fig trees and having no fruit represented Israel, that they were in a space 
of knowing the word of God and acting like they had the word of God, but not bearing the fruit of the word of God with their relationship with God. That they were acting as if they knew what they were supposed to be doing, but they didn't have the spirit of it in them. And so that is why he cursed the tree. It was symbolism. It was symbolism that the trees are there and you come to it and you think it's going to bear fruit. And there's no fruit here. That they're acting like they're people of, of Jesus, people of God, and they come and they're not acting. They're not really the people. Their behavior seems like it, but how they treat each other is not demonstrating the spirit of love. Do you get that? So cursing the tree was this being the same example as back in the Old Testament where you have Elijah and all the other prophets who have literally brought it to the Israelites' consciousness that you are out of alignment with your covenant with God. Repent and come back to your relationship with God. Let go of the idols. Let go of the way you're treating each other. Let go of the way how you've walked away from what you've learned growing up and step back into your relationship with God. Stop acting like you don't know that you know. Now, Jesus was the prophet in the New Testament that came to share that. But it started with, jo with John the Baptist. So that brings us back to, down to the, the story right before this parable that I'm going to go into. And it's where uh, the authority of, of Jesus is challenged. And I love Charles Fillmore. Let's see if I have it. I do. Charles Fillmore which he and Myrtle Fillmore created the created Unity Movement, um, which is a form of practical Christianity. So we learn and we teach the teachings of Jesus, but we learn and we teach it for the purpose of becoming the teachers of the teachings of Jesus, not just following it like the Israelites with no spirit in it. Does that make sense to everybody? And so in his book, the Bible, the study Bible, which is according to the New Testament, um, they just came out with it, written by Charles Fillmore, each one of these chapters, uh, are he has a metaphysical or a spiritual title to it. So this particular title in the New Living Translation is called The Authority of Jesus Challenge. But in the metaphysical Bible, the metaphysical version of this from the Bible, uh, the study Bible, is called The Energy of Doubt Opposes the Authority of Spirit. And so what's happening is the uh, religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees and rabbis, have come to Jesus and asked him, by what authority are you doing this thing? Healing people, clearing out this temple, which you say is your father's house. And Jesus says, not just my father's house, it's your father's house too. Because it's, God, it's the house of God, really. They're asking him, by what authority are you doing these things? And I'm in right now, Matthew, it's chapter 20. This is chapter 21, verses, verse 23. And 24. This is the story uh, before in 20, is the story 23 to 25, uh, 27 rather. It's the story before the parable that I'm going to talk about. Now, Jesus is asked by them, by what authority are you doing these things? Because they are so nervous that he's going to get so much of their, his, the people's attention that they're going to become obsolete and Jesus will begin to follow them. They don't realize Jesus is just uh, revving everybody up because he has a purpose and he wants to get everyone's attention. Because he has a purpose to teach how we detach from the human, detach from the spirit, and ultimately to the point where we can take our spirit and put it in the hands of God and then bring it back into our body. That's some deep business because that's what the crucifixion and the resurrection is. He committed his spirit into God's hands, and his spirit left his body. And then three days later, his spirit returned to his body, resurrection. We have the power to do that as well. And Jesus came to be the example to show us that. But he had to have the attention of everybody in order for this story to really sink in and transcend and continue for thousands of years where we're studying it right now. Does that make sense to everybody? Your story is going to have a ripple effect on history. It's going to touch the lives of people who you know, and it's going to affect, affect people even 2,000 years from now. Do you get that? Like for real. Just like the wings of a butterfly that flap, create a vibration, create a little bit of something that affects the weather. That's the business to me. And so when I keep thinking and remembering that my life is its own parable, and when I'm studying these parables and these stories and I can see myself in those stories, 
It helps me to grow and transcend and be the example of what Jesus is trying to teach us. Does that make sense to everybody? Like, for instance, every single parable has a meaning to it on a surface level, then a meaning to it on a behavior level, and then a meaning to it on a spiritual level, as far as your consciousness is concerned. So he takes everyday life situations, like I might say something about driving to work one day and, you know, uh, the, the kingdom of heaven is like someone who gets in a car and drives to work one day. I mean, he was saying it with everyday things. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who's out in the field. The kingdom of heaven here, he's saying, it's like two, two, two sons who are going out in the vineyard. But when they ask him, what authority do you have to do these things? Jesus asked them. You tell me this, by what authority did John, no, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? Because he was the prophet, John the Baptist was the prophet that came to tell everybody and prepare everybody for Jesus' coming. Now they knew if they said that it was from heaven that he'd ask them, well, why didn't you believe him? And then he knew if they said his authority came from human, that they'd be mobbed because people there believed that, he, that John the Baptist was a, uh, came from a spirit expression and his powers came from heaven. Now let's go back into what the definition of heaven is. Heaven is our experience of God. It's your inner experience of God. The kingdom of God is the transcendence, the spiritual realm of God. How you experience it in your own internal lives, in your own relationship with God, is heaven. Does that make sense to everybody? How we experience it together, sharing our expression of the kingdom of heaven with each other, sharing our expression of our relationship with God with, that, with everyone else, demonstrates the kingdom of heaven on earth, in this earthly school with each other. So now Jesus, and when they, so they're thinking about it, and they finally say, because they couldn't answer one way or the other and feel comfortable, they say, we don't know. And so not only does Jesus say, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things, he answers them with a parable, and that's the parable of the two sons. And this is in Matthew chapter 21, and I'm going to be reading from verses 28 to 32. And I might stop from listening to God and let God guide me. Well, and he's talking to the Pharisees, the rabbis, the Pharisees, all those folks are trying to trip him up. He's answering them with this question. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't. I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, go. And he said, yes, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed their fa the, his father? Now, they got this. This was an obvious answer. They replied, the first. Then Jesus explains, now, now, they walked into a trap. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you did not believe him. And, he, and, uh, and the while the tax collectors and pro uh, prostitutes did, and even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent for your sins. Let me just stop for a minute so I can pray. So I'm feeling your presence, God. And I'm grateful for the way you've been working with me with this parable and how to open it up to be relevant for our lives today. So I let my human decrease that my spirit can come forth and hear what it is that you're telling me and be the expression of it as you use my voice to share your message. Thank you, God. Amen. So now this is powerful because when you first read this scripture, and it says that the, tax, the ta corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Now, he's talking to the Pharisees and the rabbis, those religious leaders who are trying to trip him up. Now, he's gotten them 
and he's tripping them up, and he's telling them this. But when you look at it from, an, uh, from what others have said, interpreted it to be um, as an allegory, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, when you look at the two sons, the first son, I'll, I'll just go to this part first. The first son represents Jesus. Some, in it, some people say, and the second son would say, they'd say would represent the devil. Now let's look at what that means. Jesus represents your light self, the spirit in you, your uh, Christ self. I had to find a way to bring out my little cards. And the devil represents when you live backwards, it's your shadow side, your lowercase personality self. Does that make sense to everybody? And it, ma and it balances on the same level of your consciousness that you can raise up and be in a high vibration, you equally can be in a low vibration. And so that's why the prince of light and the prince of darkness is the prince in you that demonstrates the light, and it's the prince or princess in you that demonstrates the darkness. That's what it means metaphysically when you come to that perspective. But Jesus is talking to them because when the, when the tax collectors and prostitutes first heard John the Baptist, their lives were not reflecting God. Their lives were out of alignment with God and out of alignment with the things they were learning. So that is when the, where it represents when the father asked the first son to go out in the vineyard, and he says, I won't go. Now, if you look in the um, new, the, I mean, the King James Version, when you, it says, I will not, and at the Greek translation of that means I, the will is I desire not, which means the human side of you does not desire to do it. That's that dark lowercase self. But remember, Jesus said that he didn't come to do his will. He came to do God's will. So when you go through the process, like we said last week, about working through your vineyard, working in your vineyard and using the fourth unity principle to deny the power of false thoughts, deny the power of false beliefs, deny the power of false behaviors, false words, false ways of thinking. Oh, look at my baby always doing that. When you go into that to align your mind with God, that's the process that shifts you into saying and going anyway, even though your spirit, your body says no. Does that make sense? How many of you have had a feeling when you were first thinking about having a relationship with God that it would stop you from having some fun because of the way you grew up? It would stop you from having a joy-filled life. You wouldn't be able to do good things, nice things and stuff. Like there was a negative connotation to having a relationship with God. But if you didn't, you'd be condemned to hell. How many of you know differently now that having a relationship with God, living in alignment with God, brings you joy and prosperity in a high sense of love and all things that you, like this good feeling? Yeah, raise your hand. Thank you. I'm like, all right. It's only me. I sit with you, Jesus. It'll only be me and you. That's okay. I'm just saying. He's my big brother. He may not be y'all's, but he's mine. Which means that I use his example as my example. And that's the first son. The first son does have those moments where you resist. But then when you sit in it in the spirit of it, and you truly learn about what it means to live in alignment with God, to live the truth that you know, and you begin to have a joy in it, that joy becomes, I don't know about y'all, but every time I have an aha and a joy, I want to have it some more. And then I want to have it some more, some more. And I'm telling you, being a minister keeps me that way because i got to keep studying it to, to, to present it to you all. But it's so much joy. That's my favorite conversation is talking about, about God, being about God's business, and doing the things that, that, that celebrate God. It feels good. It feels good. Now, when you read about what is talked about, taught about the devil, when we're looking on the level of Jesus and the devil or the shadow side, that's the part of us that says, I'm going to do it. If you do this for me, God, or I affirm this in my life, or I know this is prosperous, and I know I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go out and give to people, and you don't even have an intention of doing it. You're just saying that for the sake of saying it to look good in front of others. So you say, yes, I'm going to do it, but you don't have the intention of doing it. And then you do not do it either. This story is about repent, repentance. 
It's about shifting and aligning our mind. That's what repentance is. Repentance means to rethink or to change your mind. And it means to change your control of your mind to be in alignment with God and give God control of your mind. Does that make sense to everybody? You demonstrate God through your choices, and your choices are your way of, of, the, of your free will and your control. So we shift in from being willful and resistant into be, being willing. The first son was at first willful, but it was his flesh part that was willful, and he shifted into being willing. When have you been that way? Like our lives are that way sometimes, you know? I remember when I, um, when I first was start at starting in ministerial school at Unity Urban Ministerial School from 2007 to 2009, and it started to get tough. When I committed to God, and I really gave a vow to God that I will, um, I married God on June 14, 2003. And I said, I will never put another man before you. And I give you permission that if I do, to take that person out of my, out of my way, even if it's me. And I'm telling you, I'm realizing it's always me because I'm always the one making a choice to put someone or something before God. It's me. And I've given God permission to do it, but when it happens, I don't always like it. So when I was going through my divorce, I didn't like it from my second ex-husband. I didn't like it. My mind, my human side was in the consciousness that I thought that I was going to do what I wanted to do, and I was that second son. Because I didn't see that I could be a minister. I didn't see things working out. Because as I was living according to God, it didn't see everything. All hell broke loose. And the blank hit the fan. Y'all know what word to put there. The stuff. The stuff. The ship. The stuff. But as I continued to sit, because God kept taking things away, taking things. I gave God permission to do it, and I meant it when I did that. And taking things away. And all that was left was me and God, sitting in my daddy's house, listening to his dog whine in the basement, complaining that I didn't want to take care of his dog because he was out with his girlfriend, upset that he was having fun and I wasn't. And I really got to the point of remembering the deep sense of peace I had when I was really committed to God. And I realized that that wasn't, that in the beginning of that relationship, it wasn't meant to be. I forced that to be. And you will get what you create because you're in charge of your own life. And that the fact that it was taken away was a deep lesson. When I got to that place, it opened up the door for me to say yes. I let go of my desire, not my will be done, but thy will be done in my life that I will become an expression of God, not just a voice box. I will be an expression of it, and I seriously stepped into working through my life to get to a higher level. And that's when everything came into place where I ended up here. And I am so happy, y'all. That relationship was not right for me. But I had to till the soil. I had to say yes to go into the vineyard to work my own consciousness. The vineyard represents your consciousness. To work my own consciousness and weed out the things that I thought were right for me and they weren't. And then ask God to show me what is. And I ended up where I am now. Happily where I am now. And remarried. Healthier relationship than I had before. And so Jesus says, when you believe John the Baptist, when you believe the good news that there is something greater waiting for you, that's what Jesus, John the Baptist came to show us, that there is something greater waiting for you. Prepare your hearts and minds for the one who will come and show you the way. The Pharisees are so busy getting jealous, they're not seeing that Jesus has a way that is greater than them, that takes them from being the behavior part of it and the hypocrite because they don't have the spirit in it and they're still looking down on other people and bringing the spirit of it up and being compassionate and empathizing with those who are prostitutes and tax collectors and other quote-unquote sinners working their way into moving into being the son that says yes. Does that make sense to everybody? 
Not the son that says yes and just gave a voice box, because your actions speak louder than your words. But the son that said yes after he processed, repented and changed his mind, realigned fully with God, and then became that expression. That's what we're here to do. And it's not easy. And once you do, you will keep doing it for the rest of your life because there'll be always an opportunity to slip back into the human and to slip back into the, the lowercase self and then bring yourself back up. In uh, second, in first James, and then I'm going to tie it up. Chapter 1, verse 22. James says, but don't just listen to God's word. That's what the, disciples, the um, Pharisees were doing. They were just listening to God's word. He says, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like uh, glancing at your face in the mirror. Like you're just looking at yourself in the mirror. It's just a reflection. You will see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard. Now, this is deep because what you forget, get, forget what you've heard and what you've been instructed to do. Then God will bless you for doing it. Y'all, we are here to be doers of the word, not just listeners of the word. But I'm telling you, before you can be a doer of the word, as you're listening to the word, you must shift into being an expression, just being the word. Let it resonate deep down inside of you. Where is it that you may be resisted now? Where something is bothering you or something you're having a difficult time accepting that God's purpose is there somehow. Something that you're having a difficult time accepting that someone's acting a certain way and you don't like it. Or something's going on inside of you, inside of your body, and you're resisting it instead of accepting that there's something there where we've said no to God, and now it's time for us to say yes to God. And the yes to God is surrender it to God. Let God be the expression of what you are looking for and, or searching for. For instance, if you want more money, you want a, a feeling of prosperity and you want freedom that the money gives you. If you want transportation, you want freedom to travel. If you want a relationship and a sense of love, it's really a sense of oneness with God and feeling the love inside of yourself because you will never be satisfied from that one outside of you. But I tell you what, once you develop something deep within you, you become a more powerful expression of love for yourself and the other person. And you get to show the other person how to love you deeply in the rest of the world, how to love you deeply because you've learned it from God. What are you seeking today? And what are you resisting? You know you're resisting when you're condemning, judging, complaining, or upset about something, feeling some kind of way about something inside of you. You're resisting. But the beautiful part is, you can take that, it goes with the fourth unity principle, deny the power it has over you. I want you to close your eyes and take a deep cleansing breath. Put your hand over your heart as if you're settling into God's hand. Bring to mind something that you're resisting, and if you don't feel anything, just know that God's working on a subtler level on something. And I want you to affirm, I deny the power this has over me. Together, I deny the power this has over me. I release it and let it go. Together, I release it and let it go. I affirm the truth of God within me. Together, I affirm the truth of God within me. I grab it tight and let it resonate in me. Together, I grab it tight and let it resonate in me. Now, let a sense of peace resonate inside. And whatever it is that you would want to feel when you had that thing that you're seeking, let that resonate inside you now. Ask God to let it resonate in me deeply now. Together, let it resonate deeply within me now. Feel it. Prosperity, love, oneness, joy, health and wholeness, sense of well-being, whatever it is, let it resonate. Confidence truth, worthiness, whatever it is, let it resonate deeply. Take a deep breath and breathe it into your heart. See that first child, that first son, 
whose human desires want to be willful, shifting into the spiritual son, who is the spirit of willingness. And I want you to affirm, I am willing, together, I am willing, I am ready, I am able. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. Amen. You got that thing? It is your thing. You are the first son. And I promise you, I promise you, God is working deeply. Let it go and let God work it. And whatever it is, whoever you're remembering, whoever you're remembering this weekend, know that God is right with you, holding your heart and comforting you. And the love that you feel in your heart as you miss that person is an indicator of how powerfully God used that person to love you and you to love that person. I bless each and every one of you, and I walk with each and every one of you, knowing that what you claim during our affirmations is yours right now, and that God's supporting you wherever you may be missing someone this weekend. Thank you so much. I love you all. It's right.
Was that not perfect or was that not perfect? That was absolutely perfect. We can clap again. That was absolutely That is something that is really, really important to remember that God is right here in my heart. Won't go anywhere no matter what we're going through. Now, we may forget, like it said, walk away from our reflection and forget in, in that scripture in James. But I promise you, as long as you hold on to it, you will always, always, always feel God's presence. God's presence is feeling you. You will always feel God's presence. Today is birthday Sunday. And so those of you who had birthdays in May, I want you to please stand up. Oh, Letha's one. Oh, we got Heather and Barry. My mama. And Angela, too. Angela's birthday's in May. Ready? Angela. Happy birthday. Um, so let's go ahead and feel in your heart what you feel led to give for a love offering blessing today. Take a deep breath. <sighs> Let your mind go into a sense of prosperity. Bring to mind what you feel led to give. Thank God for it. And let's go ahead and affirm our love offering blessing together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's stand up so we can do our, our prayer for protection and our peace song. <clears throat> All righty. Together, the light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is and all is well. Thank you for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but would still like to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page, unityfh.com donate.